0: The podcast Explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Molonkow, Editor-in-Chief of ukraineworld.org. In this episode, we are trying to analyze whether Ukraine has a soft power and if it does, how strong this soft power is. Today, we are talking with Stephen Thompson, who is Inside Director at Brand Finance, world's leading brand valuation consultancy. Stephen is also co-author of Global Soft Power Index 2021. Hello, Steve.
1: Good afternoon to
0: you. Thanks so much for joining our podcast. So you are a co-author of this very interesting report, Global Soft Power Index. And what is interesting to me first is to understand what you mean by soft power and why it is important in today's world.
1: Yes, thank you, Vladimir. Um, Well, what do we mean by soft power? Essentially, it's uh, a nation's ability to attract and persuade rather than bully or force people to, uh, to do things that might help that nation. So we're talking about a nation's ability to influence the behaviour and preferences of people in the international arena. That might be other nations, it might be businesses, it might be the general public communities whatever it is but um, as a nation you maybe want people to buy your goods and services you might want them to come and visit your country to come and study here perhaps to perhaps support your international diplomatic initiatives whatever it is that you think will help you as a nation uh, you've got to try and persuade other people to uh, to buy into to what it is you have to offer and that is what soft power is essentially, it's, it's a, the power of attraction. Do you have things about you as a country that people find interesting and attractive and desirable?
0: But you're making an index of soft power, so can it be measured and how you measure it?
1: We think it can be measured. It's um, always uh, these things a bit of a mix of art and science, but there is science to it. Essentially, first, you have to have a clear idea of what well, what kinds of things are we talking about when we say uh, soft power? What tangible things do we really mean? And then having come up with that structure and framework, then we set about finding the right kind of people to to talk to about that. So maybe first, if I talk about the kinds of... Um, Dimensions of soft power, if you like. What kinds of things are we talking about? We're talking about things like uh, a nation's business and trade profile. Is it a kind of place that's easy to do business with? Does it have a strong and stable economy? This kind of thing. Um, we cover things like governance. Is this is a country well governed? Does uh, our law and human rights are well respected? Um, we look at culture and heritage. I know this is something of, that's been a big part of Ukraine's soft power drive. Is promoting the cultural um, assets of a country, and that could be anything from music to film and TV, but also uh, tourist attractions, uh, food, all kinds of things there, sport. This would all be relevant in the soft power arena. We have things like education, media, diplomatic initiatives. There are many dimensions to soft power, but they can all be measured. And the measure essentially that, that drives our index is... is um, global perceptions of different countries on those kinds of things. What do people think of Ukraine? How do how do they compare you to the US, to near neighbors like Poland or Lithuania? You know, these things people have these perceptions. Sometimes they're very accurate. Sometimes they're very vague. But it's what they think, and those perceptions are really quite important.
0: If we look at your rating in 2021, we see the first place granted to Germany and second is Japan, third is United Kingdom. It's interesting that United States are only sixth, but as far as I see, they were first in your previous rating, right? But if we look at the at the countries top like 20 or 30 countries, at least top 20, we see mostly European countries, uh, rich countries, like uh, uh, some countries like Japan or South Korea, uh, China, but most of them are like France, Canada, Switzerland, Sweden, Australia, Netherlands. Does it mean that you need to have quite a rich country to be on the top of the list?
1: Well, you don't have to be super rich. It certainly helps for sure because a number of the um, dimensions of soft power are certainly boosted by having some kind of economic power and prosperity. If you're a a rich nation, then you're more likely to have a good education system. You're more likely to have a good reputation for business and trade because you're an attractive business partner. You should be able to deal with difficult challenges such as covid better because you are you're well resourced for this kind of thing and you know you have money to put against diplomatic actions you you are able to support a significant diplomatic presence around the world and so on and so forth so certainly having some economic power helps uh, considerably but you can see that there are many countries that Overperform, if you like, relative to their economic power in terms of their their yeah. soft power. I think the other thing that uh, you you point out, though, is that many of the countries that are in the top twenty are, uh, you might say, are generally tend to be kind of Western liberal democracies of one kind or another, and those that is that is the reality that in many of those kinds of countries um countries like uh, you know sweden switzerland japan germany they are attractive because people look at the way those countries are governed the way that people live their lives there the way that business is allowed to prosper and and develop and they see things they like so it, it is it's certainly not an accident that countries like that tend to do well in any kind of soft power assessment.
0: It's interesting that if we look at Ukraine, Ukraine has the rank 61, which is quite low, I would say, in, 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 a, in a rating of 100 countries, but it was 46 before. How do you explain this kind of, an, I would say, negative result compared to the previous studies?
1: Yes. Now, we have to be clear here that some of that drop in ratings is not is it purely because we've expanded the number of countries that we included in the index. So, from that perspective, um, the drop in rank looks more severe than it actually is. Um, in fact, Ukraine's score was more or less uh, stable on a, on a, a year-to-year basis. But um, what we can see is there's not really been very much progress in Ukraine's um, soft power score and reputation. But as we've expanded the number of countries we've included, we've actually seen that that you know, it doesn't really fall in the top 50 yet. now that we've included some, a range of smaller nations that, that seem to uh, have better perceptions and profiles abroad. So for sure, Ukraine you know, has, we would say room for improvement in its soft power performance. And of course, you'd say, well, does this really matter? Is it just some kind of vanity measure? And the answer is that it really does matter. Um, There's been very significant international study and analysis that shows that soft power does lead to favourable economic and social outcomes for a country. This could be foreign investment, it, it's international trade, people are more likely to, to want to buy things from you. Tourism, of course, benefits if you're seen as a, as a country that's uh, got rich culture and is, a, is a, good, a good place to go to. Education also boosted, educational cooperation, because People see, okay, you've got a very strong body of science and and research, and so you have something to offer in the international arena. In terms of education all these things are um are benefits of soft power so for sure in saying that ukraine it would be desirable to make it some improvements it would be uh, it's it's because uh, you know there would be tangible benefits for the people of ukraine if you can manage to um, climb into the top 50 for example
0: If you look at the rating, we see uh, countries which are around Ukraine a bit higher or a bit lower. A country from countries from South America, for example, Uruguay, Cuba, Peru, Panama, Paraguay, right? But there are also countries from Asian countries like Iran or Pakistan uh, and there are European countries. And it's interesting that Ukraine has a higher score than, for example, Bulgaria, a, a member of the EU or Slovakia. So smaller EU member states or Lithuania or Latvia. So Ukraine is ahead of Lithuania and Latvia, for example. Yes. Uh, well, this can be explained that Lithuania, Latvia or Estonia are smaller, much smaller countries than Ukraine. And Ukraine probably should have better and more capacity. But uh, Ukraine is certainly higher than uh, many post many other post-Soviet states, like even like Azerbaijan, who is running its you know uh, quite a visible country brand campaign, etc. So how do how do you estimate the Ukraine's place compared to Russian soft power? Russia is has been in top ten, but now I think it's thirteen according to your rating. Yes, and of course we are comparing Ukrainians always comparing ourselves with Russia and. Russia is far ahead. So should we worry about that?
1: Well, I think it's certainly the case that Russia is significantly ahead and and partly that is down to sheer size. You know, Russia does have um, significant influence and visibility On the global stage not because everybody looks at russia and sees everything about russia as as positive but uh, and this is how brands work in the real world commercial brands work too that says look just simply you know you're you're a country that people see a lot about you people know something about you they are you know they have some image of of what Russia can be good and not so good at in their minds. And that sheer presence and familiarity is a real asset for Russia. And that does come from size. and, And in that sense, it's not really a fair comparison between Ukraine and Russia um, when you take into account the sheer size of Russia. So in some ways, we would, we often encourage a country like Ukraine to benchmark against countries of a similar size and perhaps similar level of uh, economic development and say maybe those would be countries to really try and emulate. Um, Russia is almost a bit of a one-off in a way. So, you know, if you look at some of the other top scorers in our ranking, you know, there are are some quite small countries that have very good soft power profiles such as singapore new zealand uae you know these are countries that are much smaller than uh, ukraine but have a stronger profile internationally people see more about them people have a better sense of the strengths of of that those countries and for sure if ukraine can manage to match those the performance of a of a country like new zealand then it would be a tremendous success.
0: Let me remind to our audience that we are uh, talking to uh, Stephen Thompson, who is inside Director at Brand Finance, world's leading brand valuation consultancy. And Brand Finance has uh, issued a report, Global Soft Power Index 2021. So we are uh, trying to understand what is Ukraine's place in this global index. If I ask you, what are the strengths of Ukraine? So you, you have uh, a set of criteria of this soft power, and probably there are strong points and, and weakness points of a country like Ukraine. So what are the strength points which Ukraine can rely upon in in its you know global attractiveness which can it strengthen what do you think?
1: Yes, I think one of the challenges actually for Ukraine is it doesn't stand out too much for anything in uh, you know in a really strong way. I mean you know if we if we looked at we have 30 measures in our in our index it comes through in some very um, specific things. For example, in our culture and heritage section, uh, Ukraine has uh, has a good profile in sport. But in other aspects of culture, maybe not so strong. In actually, Ukraine seems to be scoring reasonably well in terms of its environmental profile and protecting the environment. And, and Ukraine still, I think, because of its its size and the fact that it is, you know, it is a country that has people have a degree of familiarity with. It's positioned in a part of the world that is, um, you know, quite central. So people, people, there is a degree of familiarity that people have that gives Ukraine some influence. But to be honest, when we look down the whole set of scores Ukraine has, it's difficult to find true areas of strength. There are areas of potential strength, education, sports, a little bit of broader culture, the environment where possibly Ukraine can build on a reasonably promising position, but nowhere is there a sense of here is a country where we are challenging among among the the global leaders, and that I think is is the um, the first kind of lesson Ukraine has to start to think about: is where can we be in the top twenty on a particular measure?
0: Ukrainians often perceive uh, themselves; we perceive ourselves as a kind of a freedom fighters in this part of the world, which is, as you know, in Eastern Europe, it's sometimes quite difficult with freedom and democracy. Yes, but is it is our self-perception? is good for for this soft power. Does the world care that Ukrainians are so, let's say, good at fighting for freedom, for democracy, and even in in current circumstances, uh, even needing to defend themselves and defend democracy militarily?
1: Well, I think that... Profile would be attractive internationally. this sense of a freedom fighter standing up for, um, you know, good governance and and the rights of the individual and, and respecting law. Now, unfortunately, that although that might be a perception within Ukraine, that's not really the perception that people have around the world. So I think if Ukrainians do feel that way, we have great examples to offer the world. Then you need to talk, tell your story better on the global stage. But at times, it's, it can't just be a matter of communication. You have to step back and look at, well, you know, what is the situation in the country? Do um, do we actually, can, can we compare ourselves well to countries that are respected for governance and democracy? And it's, you know, not difficult to see what kinds of uh, countries come up. In that kind of uh, ranking, you know, again, it tends to be Western democracies that are seen very, you know, as very good examples of, of strong but effective and fair governance. So if we look at, you know, which kinds of countries are respected here, Switzerland, Germany, Canada. Sweden, Norway, Finland, New Zealand—you know, Singapore. These are all countries where these are seen as well-governed countries. Um, the law is well is respected. There's stability and so on and so forth. You don't have to be a big country to score well there, but you do need to be able to convince the world, I guess, that you know this is this is a, a place where governance is very strong and stable. And I, I guess at the moment globally. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, that is the perception of Ukraine, unfortunately. So if, if there is a disconnect between the global view and the domestic view, then that is, a, that is something that needs to be addressed, either through communication or possibly to understand well, what is it that the world sees about Ukraine that, is, you know, that they don't feel is especially well-governed compared to some of these other countries.
0: But generally, do you think that Ukraine has soft power uh, in general? Because in Ukrainian context, I'm, as a Ukrainian, can can tell you that we are not really discussing these issues inside the country. So, of course, we are discussing a lot the issues of security and the war in the east of Ukraine, you know, fight for independence, etc. We sometimes discuss the issues of resilience. How can we counteract threats? But it's all in this survival or security discourse. It's not about soft power because soft power is a power of tra- of attraction. Yes. So, do you think Ukraine Ukraine even has something in its capacity as a soft power? Oh, I'm quite
1: sure that Ukraine has potential and capacity, but obviously, I you know I can understand at times when if there are more pressing, very sort of direct concerns that says, well, that's you know we're focused on you know some challenges that we have as a nation, threats you might even say with uh, from a big nation that is not necessary acting in a friendly way at all times towards us. if you've got those kinds of concerns, very immediate concerns, then it's understandable that something like soft power is not something that, uh, that is uh, on in everybody's thoughts. But at the same time there is no question that um, you know soft power can can really help a nation prosper. So it, it's not something that, you, that can be neglected for a long time at some point the the benefits are too strong and consistently proven so you know someone has to be thinking and talking about it and it can't just be the government by the way it, it's it you know soft power it doesn't just derive from government actions it can come from large businesses it can come from people particularly things like the creative and cultural sector and it can come you know from, from within, from the people. So um, although governments have a big role to play, I think just sort of everybody sitting back and expecting the government to do everything single-handed is unrealistic. If you look at some of the assets that the UK and the US have for, in the cultural arena, for example, you know, you the UK's soft power in, in culture, I would say, derives squarely from the Beatles, and that had nothing to do with the government at all. This was a group of four guys in a provincial city suddenly being able to captivate the world. And, and Britain has, has built on that, even though that was 50 years ago. Britain has never really looked back in terms of its, its uh, soft power profile in the, in, the, in the popular culture because it, it had an absolute star
0: performer. It's very interesting about Beatles. I I hope our soft power group is is coming. Maybe it's already there like Dachabrach or something else. But what what surprises me is that uh, it is precisely Ukrainian society, which is so we are talking so much about the vibrant civil society, the the, the bright society, which is, you know, protesting against uh, poor government, etc. And it is so visible around the world. But it seems that it doesn't really reflect in the soft power index. So Ukraine doesn't have, doesn't make these leaps, great, great leaps in the in the rating. How can you explain that? How can you explain the situation when there is something going on in the society and, and there are many active, you know, people in the society, but doesn't transform into changing the international image of the country?
1: Well, I think partly it's, it's, uh, we, we see this, that there is a disconnect between, what the uh, the domestic perceptions of what's happening in Ukraine and what prob- probably is happening versus what the world sees so partly it's a matter of communication and getting the story out there and and understood that's not easy to do you can't just simply you know start running advertising campaigns everywhere it has to be broader than that but, you know, to some extent, we'd say, well, take a step back. Is this perception really something that's going to be very, very relevant? I'm sure there are many people who will applaud the efforts that are, that Ukrainians are making to fight for their country and, you know, develop and support freedom and democracy and, and independence. I think many people would say, good for you and go for it. But in terms of the relevance to somebody in london or bangkok or new york or madrid you know most people are not spending their time thinking about these things too much they're thinking about their own lives their own problems their own desires and to what extent things from about ukraine are relevant to them and can help them there's maybe less clarity about Why should somebody in Madrid think too much about Ukraine? Of course, if you ask them to think about it and say, "Okay, what you know, do you do you applaud the uh, the national efforts towards you know stable independence and prosperity?" Of course, why not? Why would you would you would want that? But what does it mean to me as a somebody in Spain? I don't know. Uh, you know they don't they don't feel and this issue of relevance I think is 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 something that Ukraine needs to think about why beyond a general desire for for all nations to succeed and all people of the world to be free and happy who wouldn't want that but beyond that why does Ukraine matter more to somebody in Madrid than France or Germany or Poland or Singapore or New Zealand and these are the things that sh- that Ukraine needs to think about. You're fighting for attention and, and relevance.
0: Right. I think this disconnect between internal perception and external perception is one of the most important. And what, what your index does uh, does say to us, to Ukrainians, is a very, very important thing, that uh, this uh, bridging internal perception and external perception is an extremely difficult task, actually. I think this is something that Ukrainians are not really fully aware of because we tend to think that that our struggle should be the global struggle, you know, and it's never the case. Probably my last question, uh, when you look at, at other countries, you probably see the countries which are doing the most progress in this soft power and who probably have the resources compared to that of Ukraine. So not to compare Ukraine with United Kingdom or United States or China, maybe you can you can uh, think about. You can tell us what are probable other models we can follow. We can we can study. What do you think? Well, yes,
1: I, I think that's right. It's not fair to compare to you know the US or or Russia or UK. But if we look at the countries that are you would say are overperformers, I mean for sure consistently, the, the Nordic countries are. They they really are very good kind of role models. You know countries like Finland and uh, North. Norway are not are not huge but they're well respected and you know they, they they definitely have a lot of soft power relative to their size you know some of the middle eastern countries such as the UAE and Qatar even again these are not countries that are huge they they probably you could say well yes but they've had they have a, had all this oil money that have provided them with the resources to be able to support soft power initiatives. So maybe then you we have to start looking, you know, at slightly smaller smaller countries still, but not necessarily with the same um, kind of oil money that Middle Eastern countries have had. And there you can see, you know, places like um, you know Croatia, perhaps Thailand, Portugal. No, these are all countries that are uh, have have stronger hard power, uh, soft power than Ukraine, despite not really being particularly large, not blessed with um, you know huge sort of oil resources that just make it easy for them. And they've had their struggles in the past. You know, you look at a country like Portugal, was not a democracy at all for for many decades, and but managed to emerge through those very difficult periods to become a more kind of modern post-industrial nation and for sure a country like Portugal still has many challenges and which but at the same time you know has has enjoyed um, relatively good kind of uh, outcomes for its people over the last few decades and you know has shown that you can change perceptions about you can change it's not an overnight success but things can move if um, the right kind of reforms are made, the right kinds of, you know, people are, are um, encouraged to grow, but also the cultural assets are given a chance to shine. And I'm sure Ukraine really does have plenty to offer in terms of cultural assets. But at the moment, they are, you know, they're not visible as much as you would like on the on the world stage.
0: Thank you very much, Stephen. I think the, the, the last thing that you mentioned is really important and therefore it is important that Ukraine has uh, right now Brand new institutions of cultural diplomacy like Ukrainian Institute, for example, or Ukrainian Cultural Foundation. Let's hope they will uh, survive and develop and uh, particularly develop this soft power. By the way, you, you also quote the director of Ukrainian Institute, Volodymyr Shiko, in, in your report. And it's it's also very interesting. So we had Stephen uh, Thompson, inside director at Brand Finance, world's leading brand valuation consultancy. Stephen is a co-author of Global Soft Power Index 20. To you can find it online and it's really a very interesting read to compare different countries around the world. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. This was a podcast Explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Molenko. I'm Editor-in-Chief of ukraineworld.org Follow our podcasts on SoundCloud Google Podcasts and Apple our website ukraineworld.org as well as our social network accounts on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. And stay with us.